Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode, we are taking a dip back into history. So all you history buffs out there, yeah, woo, history, because I'm one of those guys. I love history. Today, we are actually going to go into the darker side of history, although a lot of history is dark, regardless of how you want to look at it one way or the other. It is dark. It's dark and twisted in what is shaped up to have the society we have now all around the world. So today, the history lesson we're having today is Vlad the Impaler. If you remember a while ago, I tried to stay focused and make several episodes about most horrible people slash most horrific rulers, emperors of the world. Well, I don't remember if I made one episode on it or not. I can't remember for the life of me, but today we are doing Vlad the Impaler. So let's get, let's just get into the episode. That's just one thing we need to do. Let's just go ahead and jump right into the episode. So who, who was Vlad the Impaler? Vlad was the second legitimate son of Vlad II Dracul, who was an illegitimate son of of Mercia one of Wallachia. Again, I'm going to apologize to all of my people who actually know how to pronounce these words and names. I don't, and I'm doing my best. I studied a little bit before I started recording the show, and I didn't do very well, obviously. That's why I didn't graduate high school, because I just can't pay attention and stay focused long enough. Let's continue. Vlad II had won the moniker Dracul for his membership in the Order of the Dragon, a militant fraternity founded by Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund. Sigismund. The Order of the Dragon was dedicated to halting the Ottoman at the Ottoman advance into Europe. So if you remember the Order of the Dragon was a huge ordeal. It was some it was more like a rebel type militia in order to stop the Ottoman Empire from invading and taking over all of Europe. So for those of you who are not familiar with it, I'm not going to go into the Ottoman Empire cuz it is like at least a two-episode explanation of the Ottoman Empire. Just do a quick little Google search on the Ottoman Empire, and you'll see the the stronghold and the power they had in order to invade pretty much all of Europe. So what the Order of the Dragon was, it was just a group of different countries trying to get together to stop the advancement of the Ottoman Empire. They didn't want to be ruled by the Ottoman forces. And so Vlad was... Gladly, I think his father was more than happy to be recruited into the Order of the Dragon since, you know, again, nobody wants to be ruled. However, to come to find out, Vlad II of Dracul was also somewhat of an emperor himself. Now, for the for those of you who are listening right now, they're saying, yo, why do you keep saying Dracul? Yes, Bram Stoker's Dracula is loosely based off of Vlad the Impaler. It's not exactly, but the name was inspired by Vlad the Impaler. So those of you who are like, yo, that made sense. I am actually going to put one and one and make five, and this shit makes sense. It does, because Bram Stoker's, Bram Stoker's uh, book was uh, loosely based off of Vlad the Impaler, so... You're, you're, you're not far off by, by putting it together that Dracula and Dracul for Vlad the Impaler's family was, did have some sort of relation. So, yeah, you're good. As he was old enough to be candidate to the throne of Wal- Wallachia, Wallachia in 1448, his time of birth would have been between 1428 and 1431. 
Vlad was most probably born after his father settled in Transylvania in 1429. Again, Dracul, Transylvania, Bram Stoker, all of that is, there is a correlation between Vlad the Impaler, the name Dracul, and all of that other stuff. It does have a connection. That's why he, you know, the whole Transylvania and Romania and all that other stuff. Historian Radu Florescu writes that Vlad was born in the Transylvanian Saxon town of Sig- uh, Sai... Sisora, then in the kingdom of Hungary, where his father lived in a three-story stone house from 1431 to 1435. Modern historians identify Vlad's mother as a daughter or king's or kinswoman of Alexander I of Moldavia, or his father's unknown first wife. Not much information about his mother. They don't really know who she was, where she was from. They just have assumptions. There wasn't really any records showing who his mother was accurately. They just have assumptions. There was they don't even have her name. That's how unimportant it was for for them to how un, unimportant it was them to record the mother's belongings or or comings, I should say, of uh of what's going on back then. Pretty stupid if you ask me. Vlad II Dracul seized Wallachia after his after the death of his half-brother Alexander I Aldea in 1436. One of his charters, which was issued on the 20th of January, 1437, preserved the first reference to Vlad III and his elder brother Mercia, mentioning them as their father's firstborn sons. After a meeting with John Hunyadi, voivode of Transylvania, Vlad II did not support an Ottoman invasion of Transylvania in March 1442. The Ottoman Sultan, Murad II, ordered him to come to to Gallipoli Gallipoli, to demonstrate his loyalty. Damn. So so the the Ottoman Empire, the, the Sultan, Murad II, ordered... Vlad's dad to come into Galopi to demonstrate his loyalty. Could you imagine just receiving that letter via Raven or Fox or or Messenger where someone is ordering you to come and show me, demonstrate your loyalty to me? Now, what that can entail would be a laundry list of things from bowing down in front of everybody, kissing his feet, Doing his laundry, letting him get pretty much raped by by the soldiers. Whatever this the the sultan feels is is an appropriate demonstration of loyalty, that would have been mandated and 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 pretty much forcefully agreed upon in order for him not to be murdered for Vlad's dad not to be murdered in by by the sultan of the Ottoman Empire. I don't know about you, but I, I have a big, I have a huge, large problem of someone telling me that I need to come. Um, I'm ordered to demonstrate my loyalty. There's no way that someone's going to tell me and order me to demonstrate my loyalty. Get the fuck out of here. Vlad and Radu accompanied their father to the Ottoman Empire where they were all in prison. Vlad Dracul was released before the end of the year, but Vlad and Radu remained hostages to secure his loyalty. So allegedly, from from what was reported, again, with when it comes to historic things and people's firsthand accounts, varying varying re- reports vary from person to person. So according to uh, to sources or to reports, is that Vlad or Vlad and his brother were were left in the Ottoman Empire as pretty much a, a hostage situation to show 
that if if Vlad's dad decided to do anything fishy, then he had both the Ottoman Empire, the, the Sultan had his brother, Vlad and Radu, in his custody and pretty much do what they want as a threat or a, or or a levy against their their father to order the loyalty in order to make him loyal to the Ottoman Empire. So allegedly he was Vlad and his brother were locked up in there for several years for several several years before his dad decided, "Yo, I think it's been long enough, so we're going to go ahead and and do something about it." So they were held in prison in the fortress of <laughs> Egrizgos, now Dogrugos, according to contemporaneous Ottoman chronicles. Their lives were especially in danger after their father supported Vladislas, king of Poland and Hungary, against the Ottoman Empire during the crusade of Varna in 1444. So the dad doing what any dad would do, we need to get my kids out of there, we need to get them ASAP Rockies, we need to get this shit done immediately. So what am I going to do? I'm going to put my child in danger and I'm going to support a rebellion and a crusade against the Ottoman Empire, which for you history, you historians, you historic buffs, your history buffs out there. You all understand and know that, man, in order for someone to, to defend the Ottoman Empire at that time would have been you needed at least 15 nations of a thousand plus military personnel in order to even put a a worry or a frown upon the brow of of the of the sultan with the ottoman empire the ottoman empire was ridiculously strong they were ridiculously brutal and it, it would literally take several attempts and several nations in order for them to topple the ottoman empire and, and and for you to as a dad to start a crusade and a rebellion against the ottoman empire Knowing that your kids are there, knowing that the brutality of the Sultan, why would you do that? I mean, I, I understand as a dad that, yo, by any means necessary, I need to get my kids out of there. But at the same time, I want my kids out of there alive. I don't want them decapitated or burned to death or or tortured until they are until until death. So again, I can understand what the dad was doing, but at the same time, why in the hell would you would you risk the life and the safety of your child, of your children? I mean, it was both. It was his son, both of his sons. It was uh, Vlad and his brother. But again, that's why I wasn't born during that that time because I probably would have made a ton of bad mistakes and it, my, my cattle would have been robbed or something like that. So Vlad II of Dracul was convinced that his two sons were butchered for the sake of Christian peace, but neither Vlad nor Raudu was murdered or mutilated after their father's rebellion. So on a side note, that is very rare and not very common for for hostages of a rebellion. Especially especially family members of someone who is who was once supposed to be pl- pledged their loyalty to the Ottoman Empire. It is not very common for them to escape unscathed. That they were I mean they were murdered like like the like the thing said Dracul was convinced that his two sons were butchered for the sake of Christian peace. So for for someone's family member to be held hostage behind enemy lines and not be murdered, that is insane. I mean, you you have to think about it. If If you were in charge, if you were the sultan of the Ottoman Empire, again, the strongest, the greatest empire of the 1400s, 
would you let your enemy's children go? I wouldn't. There'd be absolutely not. If, if they were going to start a rebellion and fight against me, knowing that I've asked them to pleasure loyalty for the for safe sake, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna rob you of all your land and all of your riches and everything that you you claim is yours. Of course, I'm gonna take that away from you, but at the same time, I am guaranteeing your safety and making you realize that if you pledge your loyalty to me, I'm gonna fuck you regardless, but I just won't kill you. Again, I'm gonna fuck you regardless, but I won't kill you. So for his, for Dracul's kids not to be murdered on, again, quote, because of uh, the sake of Christian peace, that is not a very common thing. And that was probably one of the biggest disasters or biggest blunders by the Sultan from the Ottoman Empire's uh, part. I mean, he, he should have, he should have 187 them. He should have just taken them out. Pop, pop. I mean, I don't think they had pop pops. I think it was more like arrows and spears and, and shit like that. I don't think they had pop pops back in the 1400s. Vlad Dracul again acknowledged the sultan's sol- suzerainty and promised to pay a yearly tribute to him in 1446 or 1447. John Hanyadi, who had become the regent governor of Hungary in 1446, broke into Wallachia Wal- 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 and in November of 1447. So Dracul said, yo, since you didn't kill my kids, I'm going to go ahead and pay you a yearly tribute for X amount of years, no matter what. But homeboy john hanyadi who became the regent governor of hungary in 1446 broke into wallachia now if anybody can pronounce that word i googled it i, I tried to pronounce it but it's wallachia i guess it's w-a-l-l-a-c-h-i-a i do my best i'm not a learned man i just got i have a ged <laughs> The Byzantine historian Michael Critobulus wrote that Vlad and Radu fled to the Ottoman Empire, which suggests that the Sultan had allowed them to return to Wallachia after their father paid homage to him. Vlad Dracul and his eldest son, Mercia, were murdered. Pignati made Vlad's, Vlad's, <laughs> Vlad II, son of Vlad Dracul's cousin Dan II, the ruler of Wallachia. So once the kids were once the kids escaped, the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire let let the two boys return to Wallachia after their father paid homage. Paid homage. Although Vlad's dad and his eldest brother, Mercia, were murdered by the Sultan. So again, it was one of those where it's like, yo. I'm going to go ahead and let you live, but since you try to fuck me and you try to take over what I've worked hard to, to achieve and obtain, I'm going to let you praise me. Go right ahead. Oh, you're done? All right. 187, you and your son, dead. I tell you, D-E-D. I want him dead, and I want him dead now. And he did. They were both murdered, although his two sons that were hostage, again, which I don't understand... As far on the part of the Ottoman, the Sultan's part, why would he let his two sons leave knowing, knowing that he's going to kill the dad and, and someone else regardless? That doesn't make any sense to me. But again, I wasn't around in the 1400s. I'm not a historian. So I don't understand what the reasoning behind that would be. If you have an idea, let me know. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Again, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Not Gmail, just mail at mail.com. Or you can hit me on Instagram, Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. 
Hit me on Podbean, Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. You can also hit me on Good Pods and Podchaser. I'm, I'm on all those platforms. So if you're if you want to know, if, if you have a comment, let me know. Drop it in the comments on uh, on Instagram, Podbean, or you can just email me directly. I'll, I will respond to you unless you're a troll. And I'm just going to ignore you. So let's continue. Vlad finally comes into power. Oh, yeah. Remember, Vlad the Impaler was a ruler. He was an emperor for his time. So upon the death of his father and elder brother, Vlad became a potential claimant to Wallachia. Vladsif Vladislav II of Wallachia accompanied John Hunyadi, who launched a campaign against the Ottoman Empire in September 1448. Remember, again, the Ottoman Empire was such a humongous force in Europe. It was ridiculously brutal, ridiculously strong. And it was damn near impossible, if not impossible at the time, for them to penetrate the forces and try to knock the Ottoman Empire off of their high horse, so to speak. And so anyone who decided to take crusade, rebellion, or try to fight the Ottoman Empire, were, it, it was pretty much committing suicide. You, were, you knew you weren't going to end well, but you were going to give it a valiant effort to make an attempt in order to try to knock the Ottoman Empire to you know, have, quote, so to speak, peace in, in Europe or in your land. But if you're a history buff, you know that the Ottoman Empire wasn't, wasn't that easy to topple. I mean, many people have tried, many people have failed. So what do you do when you have such, an, such a humongous, humongous beast? I mean, this is like a David and Goliath aspect, although David just got squashed like a fucking bug. Like a bug, I tell you, like a fucking bug. In the attempts, but I mean, if you if you wanted, to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll we'll see if Vlad the Impaler was was smart enough and had the backing in order to topple the Ottoman Empire. For all you history buffs out there, do not say a word. I already know you know the answer. I know the answer. I'm a, I'm I'm a bit of history buff myself. So let's find out. Taking advantage of his opponent's absence, Vlad broke into Wallachia at the head at the head of an Ottoman army i call i wrote that all wrong vlad broke into wallachia at the head of an ottoman army in early october he had to accept that the ottomans had captured the fortress of girogu 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 on the danube and strengthened it captured the fortress of girogu on the on the danube and strengthened it Again, I apologize horribly for my pronunciation. I I had I, I Googled, I pronounced it, I even practiced it, and now now in the in the in the hour in the in the time of of having to get it done, I'm I'm fucking it all up. My bad. The Ottomans defeated Hinyadi's army in the Battle of Kosovo between 17 and 18th of October. Hinyadi's deputy Nicholas Vazakni urged Vlad to come to meet him in Transylvania, but Vlad refused him. Vlad II returned to Wallachia at the head of the remnants of his army. Vlad was forced to flee to the Ottoman Empire before 7 December 1448. So this guy was trying to set Vlad up. He was trying to set our boy up. Vlad said, yo, I already know it. I've been around the block. I know what you're trying to do. It's not going to happen, homeboy. Now, man, I got to go back to the Ottoman Empire for safety because at this, the entire time, for some reason, the Ottoman Empire protected and allowed Vlad to come and go in, in, in terms of protection. I'm not sure if there was some sort of, of 
peace or some sort of understanding of, of undying loyalty on the part of Vlad to the Ottoman Empire. But throughout this, this research, it says a couple of times that Vlad fled back to the Ottoman Empire for protection and safety. I'm not sure how or why that worked out. I, I mean, I'm, there, was, there was pages upon pages upon pages of information on Vlad the Impaler. I, I, I'm giving you the chop down version of it and not giving you the full spread. Cause we would be here for like four hours discussing Vlad the Impaler. I don't have four hours to burn. <laughs> let's, let, let's find out some more. We bring you news that Nicholas Vazan, Vazankani writes to us and asks us to be so kind as to come to him until John Hinyati returns from war. We are unable to do this. Oh, wait, hold on. I missed something. So this was a letter that, that was written by Vlad to the counselors of Brasov. So he wrote, We bring you news that Nicholas Viscani writes to us and asks, and asks to be so kind to come in to meet him until John Hignotti returns from war. We are unable to do this because an emission, emiss, emissary, emissary, God dang, emissary from Nicopolis came to us and said, with great certainty that Murad II had defeated Hinyadi. If we come to Visconti now, the Ottomans could come and kill both of you and us. Therefore, we ask you to have patience until we see what has happened to Hinyadi. If, if he returns from war, we will meet him and we will make peace with him. But if you will be our enemies now, and if something happens, you will have to answer for it before God. That was Vlad's letters to the counselors of Brasov. Now remember, a lot of the wars were started in the name of God. If you remember the Queen's army, was, everything was for God and for country. This is by in parts where the Pope were li literally wrote declarations of war. They, the, the Pope and several churches, the Catholic and the, the Catholics and the Pentecostal, or not the Pope, but the Protestants were at war for several, several centuries. I mean, they're still at war now, which is fucking ridiculous. It's the same goddamn God, allegedly. I mean... If you, you know, let's not get into that topic right now. But remember, the, a lot of stuff was done in, in God's name or the name of the Pope. And it was also done by the kings, by the emperors, queens. Whatever you, you, you have backing you at the time, that's what the war would start it on. And so in this case, if you were to, uh, if, if you were to, to deceit and fool somebody, you would have to answer it before God. Meaning that in the eyes of God, in open land, under the sky, you were going to get fucked up by Vlad the Impaler. That's pretty nuts if you ask me, but no one's asking me. No one, no one, no one ever does ask me anything. I just give you my opinion. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> Vlad first settled to Edirne in the Ottoman Empire after his fall. Not long after, he moved to Moldavia where Bogdan II, his father's brother-in-law and possibly his maternal uncle, had mounted the throne with John Hinyadi's support in the autumn of 1449. After Bogdan's son, Stephen, fled to Transylvania with Vlad to seek assistance from Hayati, however, in, oh, let me see, whoa, whoa, I missed something. After Bogdan was murdered by Peter III, Aaron, these names are all messed up. After Bogdan was murdered by Peter III, Aaron, in October 1451, Bogdan's son, Stephen, flew to Trans fled to Transylvania with Vlad to seek assistance from Hayati. However, Hinyadi concluded a three-year truce with the Ottoman Empire on the 20th of November, 1451, acknowledging the Wallachian boyars' right to, the, to elect a successor 
of Vlatslev II if he died. Vlad allegedly wanted to settle in Brasov, which was the center of the Wallachian, Wallachian boyars expelled by Vlad, Vladislaus II. But Hignati forbade the Burr, the Burrs, Burgers, <laughs> the Burrs to give shelter to him on the 6th February 1452. Vlad returned to Moldavia where Alexandro had dethroned Peter Aaron. The events of his life during the years that followed are unknown. He must have returned to Hungary before the 3rd July 1456 because on that day, Hignati informed the townspeople of Brasov that he had tasked Vlad with the defiance with the defense of the Transylvanian border. So what we have here is a power struggle going back and forth. First, Vlad wants to go go hide in Wallachia. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Hignati says, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. We need to find who's going to reelect the successor of Vlad, Vladislav II if he died, which again, he was murdered by the emperor of the Ottoman Empire. However, with power struggles, with everyone not wanting to release power, everyone's going to try whatever they can to keep the power. In this case, Mr. Hunyadi, who already lost a war to the Ottoman Empire, was already on the shit list of, of a lot of people. And so in this case, Vlad returned to the Moldavia where Alexandro had dethroned Peter Aaron, which again was another ruler or emperor during his time. However, there was a truce between Hunyadi that concluded a truce where the Ottoman Empire would have no where it would have no would would, would make no attempts on the invasion of, of Wallachian. Well, well, <laughs> well the Wallachian boyars. The, circ- the circumstances and the date of Vlad's return to Wallachia are uncertain. He invaded Wallachia with Hungarian support either in April, Jul- April, July, or August 1456. Vlad II died during the invasion. Oh, I'm I'm apologize. The dad was not. The dad was not killed at that time. But that okay. I'm I'm gonna pause on that. I'm not gonna pause. But remember that date. August 1456, and where Vlad II died during the invasion. That's gonna we're gonna continue that later. I just threw that in there as a as a note, and I forgot to take it out. <laughs> Vlad sent his first extent letter as voivode to Wallachia to the burghs of Brasov on the 10th of September. He promised to protect them in case of the Ottoman invasion of Transylvania, but he also sought their assistance if the Ottomans occupied Wallachia. In the same letter, he stated that when a man or a prince is strong and powerful, he can make peace as he wants to. But when he is weak, a stronger one will come and do what he wants to him, showing his authoritarian personality. So we already have the the fact that that his that Vlad is like, yo, I am going to. Vlad is already showing that, Leo, I'm I'm going to do whatever I can to protect my people, to protect the borders, and protect my land. And so by making that statement, saying that when a man or prince is strong and powerful, he can make peace as he wants to. But when he is weak, a stronger woman will come and do what he wants to him. You know, when someone makes a statement like that, that's that. I mean, to a lot of people, that's a threat saying, are you the weak or are you the strong? If I attack you, then you know the answer. If I don't attack you, then you know the answer. But in this case, there was no off limits when it came to Vlad, the impaler. There's there none. He would he wanted what he wanted, on top of that, he wanted to protect his land and I would say his people, but you'll find out about his people. Multiple sources, including Lanocos Chalcodonilis. <laughs> what are you going to say? 
Lonoko's Chalk recorded that hundreds of thousands of people were executed at Vlad's order at the beginning of his reign. He began a purge against he began to purge against the boyars who had participated in the murder of his father and elder brother or whom he suspected of plotting against him. So once you're arraigned, I mean, once you have someone who's that young, who's someone who remembers specifically the, 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 the brutality that was, that was inflicted onto his dad and his brother. The reasoning why his, his dad and, and, and brother were killed, you're going to seek revenge. I mean, I would, if I had that army behind me, if I had that kind of power, and during the time, the Renaissance time of, of the 1400s, or was it the 1400s? Or around the time of the 1400s. I don't know if it's the Renaissance time. I think it might have been. You're going to have, you're going to seek revenge. I mean, your name and your power stance is, is instrumental to, to the person you're going to be in the kind of ruler and the borders and it, the reputation you're going to establish in order to keep from people to, from attacking you and having your own people rebel against you. So by, by showing the brutality and the vengeance you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, you, you know, Vlad's pretty much. You're gonna rue the day that that I come into power. I'm gonna fuck everybody up for wronging my family. I mean, it was a power play on his part, very effective, by the way. But was it worth it? Let's find out. See, there's that name again. Chalk. We're just gonna call him Chalk because I can't even pronounce the whole name. Chalk stated that Vlad quickly affected a great change and utterly revolutionized the affairs of Wallachia. Through the, revolutionized affairs of Wallachia through granting the money, property, and other goods of his victims to his retainers. The list of the members, the list of the members of the princely council during Vlad's reign also show that about two of them, Voiko, Dobrita, and Lova, were able to retain their positions between 1457 and 1461. So the people who took the money, so money, property, and other goods to his victims, to, of his victims to his retainers. So whoever whoever retained the property of their of these people's victims, they can just they just keep the money. It's not a big deal. You know, hey, it's my money now, punk. And Vlad's all, yo, finders keepers, losers weepers. I'm pretty sure that's when that started. That might have been something created by Vlad himself. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard him say that actually on, on a podcast one day. I think Vlad actually said, finders keepers, losers weepers. I could be wrong. <laughs> so let's get into his cruelty. What made Vlad the Impaler so infamous? Why is he considered one of the top most horrible people in the entire history of mankind. If you suspect it is because he tortured a lot of people, then you're right. I mean, he didn't get his name Vlad the Impaler for nothing. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't the master dartsman or he wasn't a master uh, archer. You know, there was a lot of different reasons why he was not learned a lot of different things that he was known for. But number one was being an impaler. So let, let's, let's find out why. Vlad then embarked upon the first of a lifelong series of campaigns to regain his father's seat. His opponents included the boyars as the boyars as well as his younger brother who was supported by the Ottoman Sultan. Yes, you heard that. One of his younger brothers who was an, who supported or who was supported by the uh, by the Ottoman Empire Sultan. He was Vlad murdered him. Apparently the 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 Ottoman Sultan gave his younger brother some power and said, yo, you are, you are now 
the ruler of, of this little section. Let's go ahead and protect what we have to protect and do what you have to do. And Vlad said, yo, I know you're my brother, but fuck you. Go get your shine box. And he killed him. War has no family, apparently. I mean, but do you blame him? So, I mean, eventually the Ottoman Empire is going to, well, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna launch attacks to everyone all across Europe because that was their main purpose. Their main purpose was to dominate the entire continent of Europe. That, that's what they wanted. They, they wanted to be the most powerful empire in all of the world. And they were making a valiant attempt to where they were pretty much exactly what they wanted to be. They were the most powerful empire in the entire world. It was insane how, how long their reign was and what they did to, and how many countries they ruled in order to keep that title. And you have little Vlad here saying, man, you think that because my brother is, is going to defend, is fighting against me, you think I'm going to show mercy? You think I'm going to say, okay, tap, tap, we're done. No, man, that's not going to happen. I have a purpose in life and I need to regain and honor my dad's slain. And sorry, bro, you're Gonskis. 187, DOA. Vlad emerged briefly victorious in 1448, but was deposed after only two months. After an eight-year struggle, Vlad again claimed to the claim the Voivodate. Voivodate. Well, who makes up who made these words up? And they they put this shit in here on purpose for me. So I can fuck it up when I read. It was during this period of rule that he committed the atrocities for which he was best known. His penchant for impaling his enemies on stakes in the ground and leaving them to die earned him the name Vlad the Impaler. He inflicted this type of torture on foreign and domestic enemies alike. Notably, as he retreated from a battle in 1462, he left a field filled with thousands of impaled victims as a deterrent to pursuing Ottoman forces. So if you guys ever watch TV, if you guys ever watch any movies, and I mean, one of the best ones, one of the best uh, scenes or resemblance was probably on the Game of Thrones when Daenerys was in that one uh, country or area where they had the soldiers impaled or or crucified throughout the entire border uh, uh, towards the entryway of, of the kingdom or, or the little country or, or town or wherever you want to call it, where, where, the, where the kingdom was. It wasn't the Red Kingdom, but it, it was a different one where Daenerys, the dragon queen, was trying to make her way over to the, to the, red, to the red Kingdom or to the, or to the I, I can't even remember the guy's name, but Vlad the Impaler, according to records, left a, a field filled with thousands of impaled victims to, de- to deter the Ottoman forces who were pursuing him. Now, think about it. If you and your homies are walking to go fuck up this dude, it's like, man, this is going to be an easy win. Let's just go, you know, let's, uh, let's smurf our way over there. La, 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 la. What the fuck? Yo, why are all of our homies impaled and just left out here in the field. There's like the entire military force, all, all our entire infantry is right here. They're just chilling on a stake. They look like shish kebabs right now. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fight. Let's retreat and let's go tell the boss because I'm not I'm down with this shit. This is some scurry shit right now. Could you imagine? I mean, just think about it. Close your eyes and imagine walking to a field to go claim an easy victory And then you come across a battlefield where thousands of your homeboys, your fellow, your brethren, your fellow military buddies are impaled. 
It looked like it, it just looks like a cornfield of your dead homies impaled. It's like a buffet of of military shish kebabs, of like man kebabs everywhere on the field. And now your 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 backup, your your homies of just of the same military, the same country, are paused right in the middle. Turn around and hot foot it back to let the bosses know that this is some jacked up shit. I don't know about you, but if you have thousands of people impaled in a field, that's going to that's gonna deter a lot of people from wanting to pursue. Because, I mean, think about it. How, how disgusting would that be? Just walking up upon, upon all these people and then you see a bunch of impaled, a bunch of your homies impaled because they were captured and brutally murdered by Vlad, the Impaler, by the way. Remember, his name is Vlad the Impaler. That's the reason why. He impaled thousands upon thousands of people and left them there on display. The Ottoman Turks were never far from Vlad's thoughts or his borders. When diplomatic envoys had an audience with Vlad in 1459, the diplomats declined to remove their hats, citing a religious custom. Commending them on their religious devotion, Vlad ensured that their hats would forever remain on their heads by having the hats nailed to the diplomats' skulls. Vlad ensured that their hats would forever remain on their head by having their hats, by having the hats nailed to the diplomat's skull. Could you imagine the pain, the shock, and the the sheer terror of being held down and having, I believe they wore some sort of turban type the headdress. I don't know exactly. I mean, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a Yankees hat or you know the flip back trucker lid. It, it wasn't anything like that. It was. I, I believe it was a. It was a. It was a. Uh, a turban type headwear. I, I don't know exactly, but I think it, it was similar to that style. But could you imagine the terror of being held down and having that nailed into your skull. And I guarantee you that Vlad didn't just put one nail inside of the fucking hat into your skull. I guarantee you that multiple nails were jammed through that skull to keep that hat on. You know, I, I wonder how many actually died from that being, from that happening. That's insane. Why? I mean, who would, th- who, number one, who does that shit? And number two, why? I mean, I understand that, you know, you're making a point and there's no end to the possibilities, but God damn, you're going to nail their hat into their skull? Boy, I tell you. That's insane. I mean, I mean, that. oh my gosh. It's, I mean, for the for me to be left speechless? Yeah, that's some crazy shit, man. I mean... If you want to read more about it, just just Google Vlad the Impaler and read the endless amounts of of pages that that were written on him. It, it's insane the shit that that they did. I, I just again, I just use some of the highlights. I'm like, this is a movie trailer, and I just picked the best parts of the movie and put him in the pod. During one of his many successful campaigns against the Ottomans, Vlad wrote to a military ally in 1462. Vlad wrote, "I have killed peasants, men, and women, old and young, who lived in Albuksita." And Novo Selo, where the Danube flows into the sea. We killed 23,884 Turks without counting those whom we burned in homes or the Turks 
whose heads were cut by our soldiers. Thus, your highness, you must know that I have broken the peace. Okay, number one, that's a badass letter. Number one, for you to write to the, write to the Ottoman Empire, write to one of the people who are pursuing you and you are, you are actively at war with. You write, they have killed peasants, men and women, old and young. They killed, he killed 23,884 Turks by his account. He's not even counting the ones that he burned or the ones who his soldiers decapitated. And then to write at the very end, your highness, you must know that I have broken the peace. That's a badass motherfucker right there. That's someone where you, where you, I mean, number one, don't want to mess with. And number two, you're, he's testing the gangster. He said, knock, knock. Who's there? It's the gangster. The gangster. What would you do by reading that note? If that was delivered to you by your own homie, by your own worker, by your own messenger. And at the end, it's just signed, Vlad. Mic drop. I mean, they didn't have a microphone back then, but you know what I mean. But to write, thus, your highness, you must know that I have broken the peace. God damn. That's some badass shit. That's one of the reasons why I want to do this one about Vlad the Impaler. When I read that note, I was like, oh, damn. That's some badass shit. Number that, that, That's some badass shit. Vlad's victories over the invading Ottomans were celebrated throughout Washala, throughout Washala, Transylvania, and the rest of Europe. Even Pope Pius II was impressed, but Vlad also earned a much darker reputation. On one occasion, he reportedly dined among a vertebral, a vertebral, a vertebral forest of defeated warriors writhing on impaled poles. It's not known whether tales of Vlad III, Vlad III Dracula, oh my gosh, Vlad the third dipping his bread in the blood of his victims are true, but stories about his unspeakable sadism swirled throughout Europe. So allegedly, one thing that is for sure that he did go eat with uh, with his with his soldiers in a forest uh, full of defeated warriors who were writhing in pain on impaled poles. That is for sure. But legend stretches a little bit further, saying that Vlad dipped his bread in the blood of his victims and ate it while drinking some red wine. I want to believe it's true. I mean, this is a guy that, that nailed hats onto his victim's head, commending them on their religious beliefs. So you're going to tell me that, that this is, it's not true that Vlad dipped his bread into the blood of his victims? No, no, that I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty goddamn sure that he he dipped the his bread in the in the blood of his victims. There's no doubt. In total, Vlad is estimated to have killed about eighty thousand people throughout various means. This includes some twenty thousand people who were impaled and put on display outside the city of Targov Targovisti. The site was so repulsive that the invading Ottoman Sultan. After seeing the scale of Vlad's carnage and the thousands of decaying bodies being picked apart by crows, turned back and returned to Con- to Constantinople. Constantinople. Who wrote the who who made these names up? Making me trip up over my words. God damn it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine if you're the sultan and you're like, man, let me go check this shit out. This, why are you guys having such a problem with Vlad? He's, he's a little baby back bitch. Baby back bitch. 
baby, back, bitch. For those of you who know the movie, let me know what the movie is in the comments. Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com, Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Podbean, on Instagram, Podchaser, and Good Pods. Let me know where that movie's from. Baby, back, bitch. Baby, back, bitch. But then you, you go in there and then you see the thousands and thousands of decaying bodies being eaten by crows. You have no choice but to turn around to re- to gather your thoughts again and to have a better plan knowing that, man, I don't want to end up on a stake in front of it being on, put on display. Like, I mean, these guys were put on display like a spirit store just opened in that area. They, they, like they were Halloween scarecrows in the front yard impaled. And then the, the, the sultan of the Ottoman Empire rides on and sees this shit. And he's all, yo, turn back. Let's go back. We're, we're not we're not dealing this with. Nope. We're not dealing with this right now. We need to go back. We need to pray to Jesus, number one. We need to get blessed, number two. And we need to get a whole batch of motherfuckers to come beat this sadistic asshole. Because my head isn't going to end up on a stick. I'm not going to have no pole go through the butthole and out my mouth. I'm not doing ass to mouth while being impaled. That's not going to happen to me. We need to get our forces together and we need to end this shit now, but not right right now. Like later, later, not right now, right now. Because there's a thousand of our of our soldiers impaled and just left out on display like a spirit store decoration. No, it's not going to happen. I don't blame him. I don't. I don't. Bl- I don't blame him. Number one. So when I mentioned earlier about Vlad II, I didn't realize that that was his brother. I thought I had made a typo in my in my writing in my in my note gathering. But no, the Vlad II died, and so Vlad III had taken power after his brother in order for him to, in order to, of course, to avenge his death and avenge his name and make sure that everything was good. So I canceled what I said about wait for the end of the show in order why that date's important because it's not. Don't worry about it. Vlad III was freed shortly after his family's death. However, by then he had already developed a a taste for violence. To consolidate power and assert his dominance, he decided to hold a banquet and invited hundreds of members of his rival families. Knowing his authority would be challenged, he had his guests stabbed and their still twitching bodies impaled on spikes. That reminds me of the Red Wedding that happened, that was conducted by the Lannister in the Game of Thrones. That's exactly what that what that reminded me of. For those of you who, who have not watched the Game of Thrones yet, I highly recommend watching that show on HBO Max. It's an amazing show. I've watched it like three times already. Uh, I'm probably going to start watching it again because it's such an amazing uh, show. It, it was a really good show. But this was when, when Vlad was freed shortly. That's was when he was captured, I believe, the first time. First time or second time? Again, I, I gave you the highlights. I, I cut out a lot of stuff so I can make this a, a short, interesting episode. So he, in order for him to, to assert his dominance, he invited all of his rival families. And so all the rival families, knowing that Vlad was like, yo, he's weak, he's mild, it's not, nothing's going to happen, we're going to go. Knowing that his authority would be challenged, he had his guests stabbed and their still twitching bodies were impaled on spikes. Again, you, you, this guy's brutality and his means of domination were undeniable. I mean, not many people want to mess with somebody with a chance of getting asked to mouth with a spike just because they didn't like you. I don't know if they under, if they understood the unsanitary means that that's happening when you when you impale someone through the ass and and it comes out their mouth. I mean that's a forced ass to mouth. 
And that's not very appreciating. You know, yeah, I don't appreciate that shit. I mean, I hope they I mean, get a wet, a hanky or something, something. I mean, that that's anyway, let, 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 let's uh, let's find out more. By 1462, he had succeeded to the Wallachian throne and was at war with the Ottomans. With enemy forces three times the size of his own, Vlad ordered his men to poison wells and burn crops. He also paid diseased men to infiltrate it. Oh, my gosh. He also paid diseased men to infiltrate and infect the enemy. His victims were often disemboweled, beheaded, and skinned or boiled alive. Whoa. He he was he had bio warfare before bio warfare was an official thing in modern times. He paid diseased men to go infect his enemies. Now that is some intelligent shit right there. If I had, I mean, think about it. You had smallpox, you had the plague, you had all this other shit. Let me go infect and take out thousands of or hundreds, at least hundreds of men before they even get to me. And if not, the ones who are survived are weakened by the disease they, they contracted from these, these bioterrorists. That's some badass shit. That, that's, some, that's some badass shit. Think about it. He had enemy forces three times the size of his own. I mean, you're not going to hit him. You're not going to beat him straight up. It's not going to happen. So you order his, so he ordered his men to poison wells where I mean everybody needs fresh water. And so they do that and poison the wells and kills hundreds of men, if not thousands. And then on top of that, he paid diseased men to infiltrate and infect his enemy. And the victims that he did catch were often disemboweled, beheaded, and skinned or boiled alive. Wow. However, impalement became impalement came to be his killing method of choice. Largely because it was also a form of torture. Impaling involved a wooden or metal pole inserted through the genitals to the, vic- to the victim's mouth, shoulders, or neck. It would often take hours, if not days, for the victim to finally die. Can you imagine just getting, you're getting your ass beat or getting captured and then being impaled? So women, it would go straight through the vagina and out through their mouth, shoulder, neck area. So it would be inserted in the vagina for a woman. And then it would be forced through. It would be forced through and pop out through the shoulder, the neck, or the mouth. The mouth was the number one goal where they wanted to come out. But a lot of times, they wouldn't die immediately. According to other reports, is that the the poles or the stakes weren't you. They weren't sharpened. They were dull in order for them to not damage the, the vital organs, in order for the torture to continue and for the victim not to die. Could you imagine just being impaled for hours, if not days, before finally dying? That is probably one of the worst tortures I've ever read so far during this era. That is that is goddamn ridiculous. Let's learn more about Mr. Vlad the Impaler. A German pamphlet once read, he roasted children whom he fed to their mother. Oh my God. Are you fucking serious right now? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm. Let me reread that because it shocked me. I, I when I do the, when I do the research, I don't read the full research. I do a light read, and and I just it doesn't register in my brain. My hamster, when I'm doing the research, my hamster is drinking his coffee while I'm doing the research, and then once my once my hamsters in my head have finished their coffee and their bagel, their their cream cheese bagel, 
And when I'm reading it for the episode, then that's when everything clicks and my hamster's like, yo, we need to react to this. This is not good at all. So let's, let, let's, I mean, I was tripped up by, by the atrocity and by the shock value and by the, the, the sheer brutality of what I just read. So let, let, me, let me reread it. Okay. He roasted children whom he fed to their mothers and he cut off the breast of women and forced their husbands to eat them. After that, he had them all impaled. Wow. He roasted children and fed them to their mothers. That's bad. I mean, that's worse than being impaled and being in suffering for days, if not, for hours and days. Roast, can you imagine getting your own child roasted and then fed to you? Thinking that if I eat this, if I eat what I'm being forced to eat, I will survive. But no, by the, at the end of it, not only did you just eat your own kid, now you're going to get impaled and you're going to suffer with not only knowing that you have this goddamn pole jabbed through your, through your vagina, through your butt, coming out your neck or your mouth. Now you have to live or suffer with the fact that you just ate your child. Whew, that's some, wow. Jesus Christ in a porn film. I'm fucking tell you, that's, that's insane. That's insane. That's literally insanity. That, that, that is psychotic. That is, that, that, I mean, that is every negative word you can ever think of to describe an individual. And then he cuts off the breast of women and force their husbands to eat them. That's not as bad as being, as getting your child roasted and being fed your own child. If, if both of us survived, I'll, I'll, I'll eat my wife's breast over my own children any day of the week. If, if knowing that we're going to survive, knowing that if they, you know, they cut off my wife's breast if she's going to live and I'm going to live, I will give me some, some Worcestershire sauce, some barbecue and some ranch and we'll toast this mother. We'll, we'll, we'll have this shit up right now. It only, only knowing that we're going to survive and not be impaled after this whole affair. If that's going to prevent my wife from, from having our, our kids roasted and fed to us, I, give, me the, give me booby meat all day long if that's going to ensure our safety. But no, because of this sadistic fuck, they, they were also, not only were they force-fed their own children or their wife's breast, they were impaled at the end of it as a big fuck you, you thought. Jesus, Christmas trees in a porn... Wow, Jesus Christmas in a thong, I'm telling you. The Ottoman Turkish Empire was at war with, with Wallachia. In 1462, Sultan Mehmed fled with his army at the sight of 20,000 impaled corpses rotting on the outskirts of Vlad's capital city. Again, that was we read that earlier. That was just a repeat just because I couldn't believe that. So his fall from glory. Unfortunately, most, if not every single ruler has its day. Every dog has its day both negative and positive. So Vlad, of course, being the brutal dictator, not dictator, but brutal emperor that he was, of course, he's going to fall and he's going to have his, his day and everything's going to end for him. I mean, especially going against the Ottoman Empire. Going against the Ottoman Empire, you don't really have much of a chance. You're just going to try to take as many names and, and ass as you can during the process. Between 1459 and 1462, Vlad used his knowledge of the Ottomans to, an, to annihilate their campaign in Europe. Meanwhile, Corvinus sat on the sideline and pocketed the money given to him by the Pope. 
when Vlad ran out of money and was threatened with defeat, he sought the help of Corvinus. Having spent the Pope's money on luxuries, Corvinus imprisoned him and forged a letter to the Ottomans in which Vlad requested peace. He then blamed Vlad for making victory impossible and using this as an excuse for the war's failure in subsequent letters to the Pope. So Corvinus was one of the guy's right hands man. Apparently, Corvinus was one of the was Vlad's number one uh, treasurer. He was the guy who made sure that all the funds were appropriate. But this guy had a bad side. He wanted to spend the money that the Pope was giving. Remember, the Pope is the one who declared war against the Ottoman Empire. The the Pope backed the war. The Pope said, "Yo, Vlad, you're my boy, Blue. Let's take this. Let's handle it in the name of God. Ah, in the name of God. Ah. And let's go ahead and handle this." But what happened was Corvinus said, yo, I need some money. I need some money for the, for the shoes, for the fly gear. And he spent it all. And then when Vlad needed more money, there was no more money. And so what did Corvinus do? Corvinus said, oh, you are treasonous and you lied to everybody. So we're going to put you in prison to cover my own ass. It's pretty smart if you, if you think about it. Vlad spent 12 years in prison while his brother Radu became the Ottoman puppet leader in Wallachia. When Radu died in 1475, pressure on Corvinus had grown sufficient enough to allow the Impaler to reclaim his throne with Hungarian support. However, shortly after conquering Wallachia in 1476, Vlad Tepes was killed in battle near Bucharest by Ottoman-backed forces led by their new puppet ruler. The Turks took his head to Constopolo as a trophy. Some rumors suggest he was betrayed and murdered by the boyars. I mean, again, you, if when you kill enough people and you kill the wrong people, you're always going to think that the forces that are fighting against you are for you, but they're not. They'll be against you to seek revenge on the brutality that you've that you've inflicted upon people that they know, maybe family, maybe friends, or maybe just their own people. So it is suggested that he was he was betrayed and the boyers murdered him. Makes sense. I mean, he did he did destroy a lot of stuff. I mean, he killed over a hundred thousand people without even batting an eye. So it makes sense. Vlad may have been buried at the Komona Monastery in southern Wallachia, although the exact location remains unknown. A less likely location is a monastery in Snagov. In Nagov. I think the S is silent. So no one knows where his remains at. I mean, that would be pretty cool to go visit his go visit his his uh, his uh, tomb or whatever it was. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. I I, I would go. I mean, I want to take a I want to take a trip to Europe. I really do. I'm gonna have to do that. I wonder if a Dodge uh, three thirty five hundred with a uh, with a ten sleeper camper would be okay enough to go to travel Europe. It should be right. I, I could make it there. I don't know what fuel prices are though. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. I think we've gone through enough brutality and enough shocking re, uh, uh, history, history lessons where we can end this peacefully. <laughs> the irony, peacefully. Vlad was married twice during his lifetime. His first wife's identity is unknown, but she may have been a Transylvanian noblewoman. She bore his son and heir, Minu Sel Raul. He married a second time after his period of imprisonment in Hungary. Ilona Zilgai was the daughter of a Hungarian noble, and she bore him two sons, neither of which became rulers. Vlad Tepes, the impaler, is the impaler is revered in Romania and, and Bulgaria for defending them against Ottoman rule. 
In Turkey and Western Europe, he's regarded as a monstrous and vile leader who took gratuitous pleasure in the painful execution of his enemies. This is principally due to popular embellishments of his sadism in German stories. Russian sources describe his deeds as justified, although authorship can be attributed to Roman scholars. So all around, I mean, depending on what side you're on, it's either a good side or a bad side. What he did do, what he didn't do might have benefited your people, might not have benefited your people. It all depends. I mean, if he defended you, of course, you're going to think what he did was great. If he didn't defend you, you're going to think he's an asshole and the worst person in the entire world. I mean, we all know that regardless of what side he was on, he was one of the worst people in the entire world. So I definitely don't give uh, uh, Vlad four stars. I mean, for his brutality, it's insanity. I mean, it's insane what he did. I, I, I mean, we're, I'm pretty sure we're going to meet worse people than Vlad as I continue the worst people in history portion of the, of the podcast. But I mean, if you want to learn more about Vlad, just Google his name, Vlad the Impaler. And if you want to read more of the articles and more of the reports that were, that were given out, I mean, there, there's tons of them online. Just, just do what you, you know, the research that you feel is appropriate if you're interested. If not, then hopefully I, I fulfilled your, your uh, what is that called? Your sadistic portion of your brain with this episode. If not, then I will have another one next week. Hopefully I get to fulfill it by that. Other than that, nothing much. Uh, I just want to give you everybody a heads up. I just started a new radio show or a new radio station, I should say. I'm on RadioKing.com. Just look up Graveyard Grumbler Radio. I'm there. Every Thursday, I will have a, a live broadcast going on. I'm still trying to figure out the... The exact. So next Thursday, my broadcast will be on Podbean, on the Podbean app. Just download the Podbean app, look for uh, Graveyard Grumbler podcast, and every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, which is 11 Texas time, I, I will be live on on in Podbean. I just I talk about various things, trying to make some jokes, have a good time, play some music. I, I just try to have a decent little radio show. But I am moving to Radio King. I, st- I will still continue my podcast. My podcast will still be a thing. I will still be releasing episodes on every Friday. I will, uh, but I, I'm in addition because I'm I'm going to become the king of radio. I had to open up a radio station, so I do have a radio station. Is pretty much not pretty much, but my radio station is going to be playing all of my music, all the music that I enjoy. A lot of people might enjoy it, a lot of people might not, but I do have different genres throughout my entire playlist. Um, I, I just have to finish getting it all together. I'm working on it feverishly as we speak. Uh, let me see. My my uh, Patreon is still up. If you're interested, I, get, I put a bunch of episodes out there a month and it's only $5 a month. I have one tier, one tier only. If you're interested, just go to Patreon. The link will be in the show notes. Other than that, please share my, my podcast with everybody. Let them know how uh, an awesome person I am and how the King of Podcasts sounds on live. You know, just, 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 just let them know that the King of Podcasts is here and just refer them to my podcast. And uh, that should be all good. <laughs> I appreciate everyone from the bottom of my heart. I really do. Thank you so, so much for the support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for getting me up to 10,300 downloads. I greatly appreciate that. It's, it's beyond me. I never thought that I'd even get 100 downloads for this entire podcast. I really didn't. Now I'm, up to, now I'm over 10,000 downloads. And that's all because of everyone who listens. I appreciate you guys so, so much. I really do from the bottom of my little black heart. Other than that, uh, that's it. I appreciate everyone. And as always, good morning, good day, good night. Goodbye.
Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Grumbler.